This is what prayer does, okay, in its initial stage, I believe, in this context. And it says this, <clears throat> and I'll read, and this is in Psalm, wow, God, the correlation, thank you, Lord. Psalm 62. Wow. Psalm 62 says this, truly my soul waits for you. Now, listen to what it says in the Hebrew, because truly is not in the original Hebrew, it's only. Only my soul. To wait means to be silent. That's what it means, just be silent, be quiet. Don't have your mind racing with thoughts. Be still. And of course, that has to do with the rest, right? And the peace. I was going to talk about the peace again. Maybe do that Monday. But anyway, it says, only my soul wait in silence. And that's what that means. Silently wait and wait in silence upon who? God. For from him comes my what? The deliverance, the thing that I'm seeking. Even in my thoughts, I'm seeking. And, and again, he brought me to this place. And what's the place that he brought me to? He only is my rock. The only place that God ever answers us is through His Son, Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He only is my rock and my only deliverance. He is my defense. Defense there in Hebrew, again, is my high place. He places me, and I've been placed in Christ positionally, positioned in Him in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 19 to 23 and Ephesians 2 and verse 6. In Song of Solomon 4, verse 7 says, You are all fair, my love. This is our place in him, high above everything. You are all fair. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. There's no spot or blemish in you. And then in Song of Solomon 4, verse 8, it says, So now look from the top. He only is my rock and my, my deliverance. He only is my what? My high place. I will not be greatly moved. Nothing will move me. And of course, if he's moving things, and this has to do with him leading us to his will. That's John 21, verse 18. He said, Peter, I'm going to carry you up to a place where you wouldn't go by yourself and you couldn't. And you won't be, you know, in that sense, greatly moved. Now, if God begins, part of him bringing us to his will is, thank God, in John 3.30, we have the increase in us. He, he must increase, but I must decrease. Listen, we couldn't even decrease in our experience if we didn't have the position of who Christ was in our position. The only means that God has of doing anything towards us is through his son. We're positioned in him. That gives God the go-ahead. There's no hindrance on his part because Christ has removed all distance between us and himself. So, I won't be greatly moved. Now, part of him leading, getting us to be entreatable to his will is he has to do this. And this is what he has to do. <laughs> and I am telling, this is what he's doing in me. I want to make that crystal clear right now. This is my personal experiential confession. Confession, right? This is Hebrews 12, verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks. That has to do with his will. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on the earth, much more we will not escape. If we, and he's talking to Christians here, by the way, turn away from him that speaks from heaven. That's our position. That's God's fulfilled will. And there's where we walk on the earth. <clears throat> Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once, listen to that word, once, more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Boy, when he speaks, all of heaven is, is got, he, <laughs> he has his attention. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of the things that may be shaken. That's what it says in the original. That may be shaken as of things that are made, 
What, what does that mean? We make things in us that aren't of him that can be shaken. That's our thoughts. That's emotions. That those things which cannot be shaken may what? Remain. Remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have what? Grace. Whereby we may worship God acceptably with reverence and godly Godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. This is Psalm 62, verse 1. Truly my soul, my soul, truly only my soul, only my soul waits in silence upon you. That's the only time we, we can actually go to him when we are silent and he can communicate to us. Otherwise, does he have a way to do so when our will's not submitted even? He does not when we're too busy with our thoughts. For from him comes my deliverance. God, get rid of these thoughts. I don't know how to stop this. I'll tell you how. Stop. Because, you know, again, Isaiah 1 verse 16 says, Cease to do evil and do good. How can I cease that? Huh? I need to be, I need to know first that only, only God. Only my soul is what? Is to wait in silence and in silence wait upon God because from him comes my deliverance. He only is my rock, is he? Is he? Am I relying on something else, someone else? He only is my rock and my deliverance. He is what? My high place. I will not be greatly what? Moved. Remember the, the word move there we just read in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, 25 to 29? We won't be greatly moved. Look at verse 3. How long will you imagine? Gosh. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. We're in the midst of warfare. And the only place that, go, that we even get to the place where we're finally entreatable to his will, not even heard it yet, but entreatable, is 2 Corinthians 10, 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not left up to our own thinking or our own emotions. They don't declare who we are. And that's why we say even our good emotions. Okay? Because they can be used to substitute him in a heartbeat. Then it becomes about ourselves. How long will you imagine? So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of humanity. They're not of ourselves. But mighty, explosive, powerful through God. For what reason? To the pulling down of what? That's what God's dealing with, folks. And and, and every one of us. Now, when I say every one of us, I'm going to tell you how I'm saying this. I am speaking of myself alone. And it could be a stronghold that's in another that the other's submitting to. It could be that. It could be that. Casting down what? False images, idols, thoughts. Casting down so that you don't. With those imaginations or those images in 2 Corinthians 10.5, begin in 2 Timothy 3.5 to form God in your own thinking, but deny the power, Christ thereof, from such we need to turn away. Where should that start? It starts in the individual. Having a form of godliness based upon our own thoughts, schedule, plans, you name it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But denying the power thereof from such, turn away. I believe those, those are thoughts that aren't of him. These images, these imaginations. Psalm 62, verse 3. How long will you imagine mischief? Because if you have it in your heart, Will the enemy use it against another? Against a man. You will be slain, all of you, spiritual death. (laughs) Right? As a bowing wall will you be in a tottering fence. What's that? Confusion. (laughs) Is God the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33? No, but of life and peace. Christ is our life, Colossians 3, 4. He's our peace. Ephesians 2, verse 14. Can't wait to get into that. He is. He's our power. We're kept by it in 1 Peter 1.5. Christ, the power of God, 
and the wisdom of God. What's that mean? We don't carry our place to here any more than Peter could get there. So that he would be open and entreatable to God's will in John 21, verse 18. Okay, so casting down imaginations and every what? High thing. And why is it a high thing? Because that's our position in Christ. That's what the enemy's going after. But he can't touch it positionally, so what does he go after? What we're experiencing. Is it truth or is it a lie? A tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down. Where do all these thoughts come from that aren't from Christ to the believer? Well, they're sent from the enemy, the God of this world. He's the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Listen, when it says the God of this world, I'm telling you, that's how he appears to Christians. The God of this world not the world that we have with Christ in us. Not the world here. It's nothing about us here. No. We seek a city, a world to come in Hebrews 13, verse 15. That's what we're seeking. 13, Hebrews 13, 14, and 15. We, we worship, we give the sacrifice of praise as we're on our way to a whole different world but not this world in John 17, 14, and 16, because Satan is the prince and power of what? The air. We breathe in these thoughts, these lies, right? Ephesians 2, 2. <clears throat> they only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Can he touch my position in Christ who's excellent and above everybody? No, but what does he go after? The experience. They delight in what? Lies. That's what it says here. They bless with their mouth. Boy, boy, this is intense. They bless with their mouth, but they curse in their inward parts. None of us would ever do that in the flesh, right? Right. Do you ever hear, you know, I, you know, love ya. Mm-hmm. There was substance and meaning in that one. <laughs> Verse 5, Psalm 62. My soul, wait you only upon who? God. For my what? Expectation is from him. Are you expecting and am I expecting something from somebody else? Am I? Is that what motivates me? Is it? Because if it is, is it God? My expectation is from him. Listen again. He only is my rock and my my deliverance. He's only my rock. And how far is a rock above everything? He's the rock of my what? My strength and my refuge. What's a place of refuge? There's trouble, I run home. I remember, I'm preaching this a long, probably decades ago. The kids... Their comfort, their security, and their safety is in the house. For us, it's in the body of Christ, right? But the kids, then they go outside and play. And you know kids, they, they, they're in their own world, and they can play, and they're in their own world. Adults could be talking, and the adults are in their world, the little kids are in theirs. And then they run outside and play. But when the storm comes, the lightning and the thunder and the downpours, what do the kids do? They run home. They run home. That's what God's teaching us. They run home because that's their place of refuge. And God is our refuge. Now, verse 8, trust in him whenever you feel like it. Trust in him when you have good emotions, but when you have bad emotions, don't. Because that's how he'll see you. No. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts. Guess what? To who? Does that have anything to do with prayer? Huh? You know what happens? You know what happens when we don't go to him, when we have trouble, we go to someone else, we throw up in their ear. Because mm-hmm. we haven't gone to God first. Because we're looking for them to do something about the trouble. That's right. Sorry. When each of us, as an individual, individual vessel, have Christ in us. Okay. 
Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Where are you going to find everything that's for you? I don't care what it is, circumstance, situation, details. Surely men of low degree are what? Vanity. That's thinking below who we are in our excellency because the enemy in our experience gives us these lies. Vanity, empty. Men of high degree promoted by themselves in their own thinking are a what? Lie based upon the father of all lies in John 8, 44. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than what? Nothing. <laughs> What's lighter than nothing? <laughs> Verse 10. Now, when I don't trust in him and he's not my refuge, guess what I trust in? Oppression. You can't be possessed by the enemy. That's positional truth. You can't be. It's, sin doesn't even touch that relationship. But can you be oppressed based upon a lie in your experience? There's no question about that, right? So, trust not in oppression and stop being vain in robbery. Who's the thief in John 10, 10a? Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Wow. Thoughts. Lies, projections, imagination, stronghold. Casting down imaginations in 2 Corinthians 10.5. And every high thing that comes against the knowledge of God. Do we have knowledge? That comes against the knowledge of God. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians 10. And having in a readiness to revenge all your disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Who fulfilled our obedience? Who is our life? Try being obedient without functioning in the life that he is in you. And when you don't, you will go to someone else to help you in your disobedience. That's right. Don't want to do that. Now, here it is, right? Trust not in oppression, become not, not vain in robbery. And the enemy, if riches increase, he'll give you riches. Keep you out of the will of God, by the way. But true riches are Christ himself. In Colossians 2, verse 3, that's where they're hidden. And Christ is the true riches, the treasure in the vessel in 2 Corinthians 4, and verse 7. And stop being vain in robbery. If riches increase, replacement stuff, right? Set not your mind and emotions upon them. Oh, Lord Jesus. God has spoken once. Once. Read Hebrews 1. One, two, and three. Hmm? God has spoken, and God right now is speaking to us through this, his Son, who is the Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has also has spoken once, twice have I heard this. That what? Power. Right? Power. Power. That's what it says, power. Belongs unto who? And who is our power? Okay, who's God's power towards us? It's Christ. Incredible, isn't it? Also unto you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to every man according to his work. What gets rendered to us according to the work that Christ in his person, and, and the accomplishment of his work when he renders that to us. Now, so here we are as believers, right? And we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. Remember, the, the measure of the intensity of our conflict has to do with the measure and intensity of our position in Christ, but God, through his own faithfulness, is working into individuals in their experience all of this reality of his son, not just for them, but for others. Here's Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Just correlate all the other scriptures and you'll see that, we, that God's given us together. Put on what? The whole armor of God, that's all the teaching and preaching that we constantly need and will never come to the end to, not here and not even in heaven. 
the person and the accomplishment of the work that Christ accomplished in his own person and his own person manifested through his work that glorified God, and that's why God would glorify him as a man in John 17, verses 4 and 5, put it all on that you may be able, that you may have a supernatural ability to stand immovable in your experience against the wiles, all the lies and methodia of the devil. And what is he, how does he come against us? He's the father of all lies in John 8, 44. And that's the projections, the images that become firmly set in us and, be a, and become a stronghold in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. So, why? Why, why, do, why is it necessary for the armor of God and to have this supernatural ability to stand against the wiles of the devil? I don't know, is he natural? Or is he supernatural evil, supernatural evil personified? But a person, as much as some don't want to make him that, with the foolishness of lies. Why should we do that? Because if we don't stand in supernatural power and in the reality in our experience, what, why do we need to do that? For we wrestle not in your thought life and mine. We wrestle not against blood and flesh. That's the right way to say it. But against principalities, powers, against the rules of the darkness of this particular world, this particular age that we're in, against spiritual wickedness in the heights. I'm just reading it to you in the original. The King James is different. Verse 13. So wherefore, because of all this, take. Take. Does that have to do with the will? Does that have to do with experience? Does that have to do with God bringing us to a place to make us entreatable? Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may have that supernatural ability to withstand in what? What day are we in right now? The evil day. The evil day. And what? It says here in the King James, having done all to stand, it says, no, having overcome all, Stand. (laughs) Immovable. Because the foundation you're standing on, we saw it in Hebrews again, the 12th chapter, 25 to 29, is immovable. That foundation is immovable. That's Christ. What are we building upon? Where do our proper thoughts, our edification come from? So wherefore, take that on so that you can withstand in the evil day and what overcoming all to stand God has to bring us to a place even to even up to his will to be entreatable has been such a work in all of us literally just to bring us to this place right so that we can stand therefore God what a place we have in him Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, I can't wait for these books and booklets. I have all the substance repair, you know, that God through the years, through honestly through years, has accumulated and put together. And uh, um, spiritual warfare. Gosh, it's so incredible. And what? Having on the breastplate, you wouldn't believe what these things go into, the breastplate of righteousness, the types that they go into. Aaron, when he went in, he had a breastplate on. He went into the Holy of Holies. There were 12 different stones representing the tribes. It's just so much that it goes into that we can't go into right now. The breastplate of righteousness and your feet, whose feet? The individual's feet shod with the preparation If I don't have settled peace individually, am I going to be entreatable to his will? That's not preaching the gospel of peace, like some would say. That's the individual's feet in the midst of warfare shod. Boy, we're going to get into that one again about peace. Shod, what? With the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel constantly speaking to us? How does God only speak? He he said, write this down. I wanted to bring it with the whole other thing that we talked about. But peace. God only speaks peace to us. Listen to this. He only speaks peace to us through his son who is our peace. It's the only time. 
And boy, he has to make us ready for that one. There's got to be a lot of casting down, a lot of, a lot of strongholds being dealt with, a lot of proper submission on that way, right? The gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith. These are all the teachings and preachings and teachings and doctrines of the person and the accomplishment of the work of Christ. Listen for the individual. I can't take up your shield because if I take up your shield, I'd have to put mine down in battle to take yours up. And by that time, I would say we're both shot. Above all, taking the shield of absolute dependence based upon all the who the person of Christ is and the accomplishment of his work. And only with that you'll be have that ability, supernatural, to extinguish all those fiery missiles from hell, which are those thought forces and projections that become these imaginations that you become occupied with and you no longer go forward in the, in, even to the place to be entreatable to his will. And of course, take the helmet of deliverance and the sword of the Spirit. Notice what it says. It's whose sword? The sword of the Spirit. Sword doesn't do me any good. Word doesn't do me any good. Hebrews 4.12. But word doesn't do me any good unless it's God, the Holy Spirit, the only theologian, the only scholar who takes it and shows it unto me in my own individual walk in the midst of spiritual conflict. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's the Hebrews 4.12. And that's all part of it. The chastisement's part of it. That's growth. That's part of it. All of these things. Verse 18. Praying sometimes. No. Praying always. Well, how am I supposed to do that? What is prayer always teaching us? Dependence. When should we not be dependent? When we're not humble. And who does God give us the grace to, listen, through a conflict, a series of years of teaching and preaching, to bring us to a place where we're even entreatable for his will. Just incredible. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the what? Spirit. That's why leaders in Acts 6, 4, we have to give, listen, we do. This has to be established. I know this in my life. This has to be established in me so I can do this. Because it's not going to happen if it's not. It just won't with me. I, you know, because of where I am, it just won't. And because of where we all are, by the way, individually. Acts 6, 4. I have to give myself to prayer so that I can even know how to minister the word. So even God can minister to me imputation, entering into an impartation, which means an experiential reality, and then the reality with no lie mixed with it comes out through a vessel to others. That's Acts 6.4. Others have, to have their gifts to serve the tables. Yes, they do. Oh, boy, that's extremely necessary. It's got to be set. And that's my prayer, my personal prayer. There's no question about it. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. Can I watch properly? Listen to that word watch. Listen to it, and then we'll get into the 10th chapter of Daniel. Watching thereunto, where? Where's thereunto? In the Spirit. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the flesh. Matthew 26, verse 41. The Spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. That means I'm not functioning in it, but if it's not the Spirit... My potential is to function in it instantly. Instantly. Remember, Matthew 26, 41. The Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is willing. Does it have anything to do with Christ's fulfilled will for each of us individually? But the flesh in all of us that's in us in Romans 8, 9 that we're not of is what? Weak. Correlate that with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 in terms of weakness. We won't get into that right now. Look at watching thereunto, listen, with all perseverance. Again, what's that talking about? That's Luke 18, 1. Men should always pray. That's everyone, men and women, should always pray. Result and faint not. Not quit, give up. Turn coward, lose your grip. 
and just quit. That speaks of persevering prayer. Read 18, 1 to 10 in Luke, and you'll see how it has to be persevering. Read Matthew 7, 7, knock. The original says, no, no, not just one. Just keep on knocking till that door is opened because something has to happen for that door to open. We're going to get into the 10th chapter of Daniel, and we'll see that together. But with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, all of us, a saint is one who's in Christ, by the way, not just a few Catholic ones. And for me, for me and for you, but this is, this is specifically for leaders. For me, that utterance may be given unto me. Yeah, I can do it myself. Yeah, mm-mm. Furthermore, don't even want to. That utterance may be what? Given to me. Do I have it? No. Do I need prayer for God to do it? Not just my own, but others? Yep. May be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly without any fear. Because there's no fear in love in 1 John 4, 18. Right? To make known the mystery of the gospel. It's not mysterious, but a lot don't know it. Okay. Think of what he's done to bring us finally, finally, to okay, God, finally, all right? This is me, finally. Okay, God, here I am. You brought me up to this point. You did it. I look back, I guarantee you, I know. Oh, thank you, Lord, you carried me here. And John 21, 18, you, the only way I got here is you carried me. When I thought you didn't, when I thought I was alone, you never forsook me in Joshua 1, 5 and Hebrews 13, 5. You went with me to the end of my particular age in Matthew 28, 18 to 20 with all the power that you are. I look back and you carried me here. You finally brought me to a place where I'm saying, God, what's your will? I don't know. And I've been saying that. I don't know. Now, sometimes I've spoken when I should have just waited, and it caused some confusion. Give me grace. I'm growing too. See? Please. Need it. Need your prayers. Okay? But here it is. Here we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. So finally, I'm ready. Okay, God, at this point, 68, I'm going to be 69 in April. My health, not so good. And I know that God has it that way. I know he does. There's no question about it. Because this is not happening by one individual. He's not allowing it. And I am so glad. We're going to talk about false burden and false needs and all this other Reverse, false need, false burden, all this nonsense. You know, Christ is all and in all in Colossians 3.11. You know, it's just we need to function in our proper places, and that's huge, and that's being prepared, I hope, and trust God, and I mean that. <laughs> but you know where it starts. God says, eh, you know, you don't have to look to anybody else for me preparing them. You just look at me. I'm doing it in you. Stay there. And then pray for others, of course. Right. So here we are, brought up to this, and I'm saying, God, what's your will? I know the time is short, 1 Corinthians 7, 29. I know you want me to redeem the time, Ephesians 5, 16. You even brought me to the place with your beauty to say, God, these wasted years of my life, would you please redeem them? First and foremost, you are glorified, but that glory to be manifested in and to me and with me and through me. And of course, we know, we know that in Isaiah 42, verse 8, he does not share his glory with anyone. But when that glory is manifested in the vessel, we can certainly honor one another in Ephesians 5.21. We can reverence the treasure that's in the vessel. That's how we should be in our relationships at all times. Because at all times, we have the life that Christ is. So here's Daniel, the 10th chapter. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. God's revealed some things, hasn't he? Whose name was called Belteshazzar. You wouldn't believe the meanings of some of these names that this heathen king gave these guys. They're very, the names mean a lot. 
And the thing was true. Listen to this. The thing was true, but the time appointed was what? Was long. It was of great weeks of days. God telling me, don't you be in a haste. Don't you, you know, because I do two things in my whole life as I look back. When I'm not functioning in Christ, I lag behind. But mostly now, with the truth that he's given me, <laughs> I run ahead. I run ahead because you know what? I got it all figured out. I don't know about you, but I haven't figured it out. Okay, the time was of weeks, months and weeks. He understood the thing and had an understanding of the vision. All right, we got a vision. I'm like, whoa, wow. Yes, but God, and I'm just being honest, how is this going to work? Tell me. How is it going to work? You know, I got all this stuff going on. And then, of course, when you're not a vi- and you're in warfare, you're getting all these other thoughts. This is the reason why you can't, this, this thing and that thing. This is why, this is why. This is what's been going on in me, just so you know. I had a vision, though. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning there three, four weeks. Oh, boy, have I been pouring my heart out. Just so you know, I'm, God is my judge constantly for months. And I mean it, too. Just pouring it out. Pouring it out. Pouring it out, right? For three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came any food, you know, flesh, meat, nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I appoint myself at all. I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. This is a lot of stuff that goes into types. And in the fourth and twentieth day, twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a beautiful man clothed in linen, whose loins were girt with fine gold of, of euphes. His body was like the burl, his face was as the appearance of lightning, his eyes of lamps of fire, and his arms and feet like in color to polished brass. The voice of his words, boy, oh boy, were like the voice of a multitude. Now, when you look at this, the reason most can't understand and unlock the book of Revelations is they try to do it without Daniel. Did you see what we just read here? I'm going to read this in Revelations. Here's a man. He's on an insane asylum. One who laid his head on Jesus' breast in John 13, 23. And because he preached the word, he was persecuted. Boiled in oil three times to try and kill him. Couldn't, so it put him on the, the most insanely criminal island of the insane murderous people that they could. And he was put there by a certain emperor. We won't get into that right now. All right? But this was what he saw in that crazy situation. It's, this is what it says in John 1, verse 9. I, John, also your brother and companion in tribulation. And I am your companion. Not only in my tribulation, things that trouble, things you go through, but yours. And this is why it's so heavy for me, too. And I want God's perfect will. That's why it is in prayer for people that I love deeply. Companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and what? Patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. Why? For the word of God. Just because I preached it, you know. And for the word of God, and it was because of the word of God, the testimony of Christ that was coming out of me that was hated I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. That's the trumpet that calls us up to be raptured in Revelations 4.1, and we won't get into 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4.13-18, to 18, which there is a rapture as much as it's not being taught or even said right now. It's minuscule in its teaching. Reality. I heard a trumpet saying, I am. Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what you see right in the book. 
And I know God has used this to say, okay, you need to write these. I'm like, I keep saying, you know, for the longest time, I can't, I can't. And God says, stop, stop it. Say, I can do all things through Christ that makes me mighty in Philippians 4.13. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, the full church, sevenfold churches. Really, it's the one church, by the way. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sidus, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. They're all one. It's one church, but in different locations. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. We wouldn't believe what these things are. We won't have the time to go into them. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now you can correlate... <laughs> You can even correlate this with Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and those first three verses. And why the angels were singing the way they were in the fourth verse of Isaiah 6. I turned to see it. And one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and about the paps with a golden girdle, and his head and his hairs were white like wool, sparkling, not like that, as white as snow, Sorry. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Judgment passed for you and I. Romans 8, 1. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, the full, each one of us. He had us in his hand. That's where we are. That's our position. We won't go into that. And of course, by the time it was done, he said, it was so incredible, I fell down at his feet. Can tell you how many times they do that up there. Can't tell you how many times. Fell at his feet. And he laid his right hand on me. And thank God for that. Saying unto me, stop fearing. Speaking to me now, stop fearing. I'm the first and the last. I am he that was alive and was dead. But behold, I'm alive forevermore. Where's he alive forevermore? In us. So by the time you get to Daniel, the 10th chapter, now he sees this. Well, then I lifted up my eyes, Daniel 10, 5, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, Jesus, whose loins were girt about with fine gold of Uphaz, Uphaz. His body was like the burl. His face was as the appearance of lightning. God Almighty. And his feet as, as lamps of fire. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. And the voice of his word, his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw that vision. Sometimes God gives you something that's so incredible. And you're not supposed to say anything. Because maybe others that you're going to say it to aren't even ready. And they think you're nuts. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Some can't handle it. Therefore, I was left alone. It's good to be alone, isn't it? And saw this great vision. And there remained no strength in me, thank God. In Psalm 102, 23, he weakens our strength. Shortens our days in those ways. <laughs> ways without him. And my comeliness, everything that I thought was beautiful, was turned in me into corruption. Anything about I thought about me apart from him, boy, I saw for what it really was. And I retained no strength, thank God, no, no strength to function in that anymore. And yet, yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep, rest, a place of rest on my face, and my face toward the ground in absolute humility. And behold, a hand, the hand of grace, touched me. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, his appointed time. Then you're able to cast all your, your care, your anxiety, all those thoughts upon him because he truly does care for you because if you don't, you have an adversary, the enemy, the roaring lion who seeks to slaughter you, rip you to pieces and, and to swallow you down whole. That's the original and 1 Peter 5, 8. Follow it all the way through the, to the 10th verse in 1 Peter 5. That, was, that fifth chapter, you'll see how it flows. 
that fifth chapter of, of uh, First Peter. And he touched me. Behold, a hand touched me. I couldn't do it myself. A hand had to do it, just like the hand that carried uh, Peter in John 21, verse 18. And he set me upon my knees, proper place of prayer. <laughs> still can't walk, still dependent. And upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you because I'm speaking to you from a place where you're loved. And that place is how God sees you. And understand the words that I speak unto you and stand upright. Ephesians 6, right? 10, 11, 14, stand. And when he had spoken his word unto me, I stood trembling. I can't tell you how many times that's happened up yonder. And then he said unto me, what? Fear not. I don't know, is there any fear in love? No, there's rest and peace. He said unto me, and he says unto us, fear not. You can put your name there. Fear not, boy. He doesn't need to know that, neither do we. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand what your will, God. Just tell me. Because I don't know. You think I'm kidding when I say to you folks, I don't know. I don't. But he does. You know? And I know this in 1 John 3.20. I know when that bastard, the enemy, comes in like a flood... And in Isaiah 59, 19, the, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against me and he has to flee. Right? He has to flee because in Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us, he'll, he'll take care of that, won't he? And he will. And he does. And I stood trembling then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you did set your heart to understand. And he has to set us in that place so we even begin to be entreatable to his will. And to chasten yourself before your God, deal with every area in your life. What is that supposed to mean? I'll tell you what that means for us as God gives me this correlation even right now. Listen to, what, listen to the correlation that God's giving us, Right? That you did chasten yourself. This is Daniel 10, 12. Chasten yourself before the Lord. Your words were heard, and I am come for your words. This is what this was doing. This is the preparation. This is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore seeing. <laughs> oh, God, being brought to that place. Therefore seeing. And you can follow 4, 1. All the way again to that third chapter. Our sufficiency is not in ourselves. We can't do a single thing. You can read it in those, those 18 verses, which are phenomenal in this correlation. Therefore, seeing, 2 Corinthians 4.1, we have this ministry. We have it. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But, but, here's chastening ourselves, but have renounced those hidden things of shame and dishonesty in us. That's preparation. We can't, even brought us to that place so he could do it, even washing our feet in John 13, 7 through 10. And we can see it clearly, the hidden things of this honesty so that we stop walking and being a con man, craftiness, and pretending that we're functioning in love, but acting as a spiritual hypocrite when we're not in Christ. And that's Romans 12, verse 9. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. Guess who? in the sight of God, right? But if our gospel be hid, then until we function in his will, who is it hid to? It is hid to them that are what? Lost in their own will, their own way, their own plans. In whom the God of this world, religious God, Christians, has hardened, blinded, hardened the minds of them which what? Refuse to believe. You're not going to teach me. I'm going to do it myself. You know, I thought of people. And I thought maybe that's one of the reasons I can't go to a certain place. When I thought of them, and God said, you have no right to even think that way about them. And I said, you're right. Deal with that one right now. You can deal with that one right now. 
Because they're not rejecting you, by the way. Stop making it you. It's about me. You're a vessel. And I'll take, take care of you. And when I do, you don't have to be afraid of their faces in Jeremiah 1.8. But you will go to all that I send you to. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. God does. Believe me when I say that, too. Right? To every man's conscience, really. Right? In whom the God of this world has hardened the minds of them which refuse to believe. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the very image of God, the very image that Christ is in each individual, should shine unto them of reality, experiential reality. For we preach not ourselves. We're not preaching our plans. That's why I'm telling you I don't know. I know he does, but I don't know. For we preach not ourselves, but separated completely, Christ Jesus the Lord. And listen to this, ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Because we're slaves to him, captured by his love, and we're true worshipers and, and, and servants. So here it is, here it is, and I will, we'll finish up with Daniel, because it's 909. He, he put his hand on me, and he said in Daniel 10, verse 12, Then said unto me, Fear not, stop fearing. You're living in your own will, and as a result, you're fearing. I mean, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, and that was all his work he had to do in me continually, your words were heard, and I'm come for your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. A lot of spiritual warfare going on. You're waiting. Well, I know God has to wait in Isaiah 30, 18 to be gracious, but things are happening in the unseen kingdom in warfare. It's not just about us. It's not about one person. See, it just isn't. But the prince of the kingdom of of Persia withstood me 21 days, and lo, Michael, one of the chief angels... Chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, now I'm come to make you understand what will befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is yet for many days. But finally, read it all the way to 19, and, and, and said, O man, greatly beloved, I'm giving you this vision, but O man, greatly beloved, stop fearing. Listen, peace, 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 peace. Peace, rest, peace with you. There's your strength. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said unto me, Know you where? Do you know why I'm come unto you now? And now I will return to fight with the prince of the Persia. There's spiritual warfare going on. Did you know that? Boy. And when I am come forth, lo, the prince of Greece will come. But I will show you that which is noted where? In the scripture of truth. And there is none that holds with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. We need prayer. So you take that. You take Daniel, the 10th chapter, and you take that with Ephesians, the 6th chapter, especially 10, right through 19 to the end. And it is loaded with truth for us. So, Father, we thank you for your truth, your counsel, the way you even switched it up this morning like only you could do. In Jesus' name, amen.